the most ghoulish and eeriest of greetings to every single one of you. Thank you so much for stopping by, making Paranormal Prowlers podcast part of your day. As always, those tunes are courtesy of the amazing Bobby Mackey, and I'm your host, Tessa Morrow. Last episode, I talked all things Devil's Backbone, including a haunted tavern, a famous wolf possession, a lady in white, and so much more. In this episode, part two of Devil's Backbone, I have an amazing guest that was born and raised in good old Texas and not too far from Devil's Backbone. In fact, he had a friend who had land in that area that we're talking about, so he explored through it a lot, and we're going to hear more about that later on. Dan Lefebvre is an Air Force veteran, as well as being a high school teacher, Dan's paranormal exploration interest began over 30 years ago when he and other Air Force security police members encountered a very strange experience one night while working inside, get this, an Air Force top secret facility. Dan's paranormal experience was featured in the second season premiere of one of my favorite TV shows out there, that being Paranormal 911 on the Travel Channel television network in April 2020. He and his wife Connie and their historic circa 1886 building, the Old Park Hotel in Ballinger, Texas, was also featured in two episodes of Fright Club with Jack Osborne and the Ghost Brothers on Discovery Plus and Travel Channel. He is also in a new, to be announced, exciting television show to debut very soon. Dan is the author of three paranormal books and has explored the paranormal all over Texas for close to 30 years now, individually and professionally. He has been a lead investigator on several paranormal teams, including being the founder of Graveyard Shift Paranormal Investigations, which he formed with his lovely wife, Connie, in 2008. He has conducted many private and public paranormal investigations across Texas. He and his wife both now bring people into their very, very haunted historic building to experience the strong and intense paranormal activity that occurs within it. He loves discussing and sharing things about the paranormal. So without further delay, let's get Dan on the paranormal train and get this bad boy going. Dan LaFave, thank you so much for joining me in this very special episode, that being part two of Devil's Backbone. Welcome to Paranormal Prowlers Podcast. Great, great to be on, sis. Looking forward <laughs> to having a great conversation. Oh, absolutely. There's something just about the paranormal community. It's such, you know, it has a, such a strong bond, and I always love talking to people, hearing their encounters and experiences, and I never get sick of it. I could do it all day, every day. <laughs> I'm the same way. I mean, I've been doing this so long, and it, it never gets boring, you know? It, it, it doesn't. It's just, you always, like you say, you meet new people, and you see new things, and you do new things, and it just goes from there, and that's what makes the community so, so great. Oh, absolutely. Could not agree more with you. So... First of all, I want to say real quick, 
you served in the Air Force. Thank you so much for your service. It's truly appreciated. I have so much love and respect for our brave men and women in all the military branches. So thank, thank you. you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, it's been ages, but that was a great part of my life. What's funny is I, I separated in 2000, which is like 21 years ago. Wow. <laughs> I kind of I kind of look back on that, and now I almost wish I would have retired. You know, it's one of those things. Right. Yeah, no, I hear you. Well, it's greatly appreciated. I have a lot of family and friends that have served in all the in all branches. So, yes, it is definitely yeah, we're, appreciated. We're a pretty military family. My wife was Army, so... Oh, wow, cool. We're, we're very military, so... That's awesome. Good for you guys. Well, when you see her, thank her for her service from me, too. Oh, dear. <laughs> so, Dan, how did you first find out about Devil's Backbone? Did you grow up hearing tales about it or legends? Or tell me about that. Yeah, I actually did. I mean, I'm going to date myself a little bit here. <laughs> How old I am. I turned 54 this year, and uh, I grew up in San Antonio. I was born there. Oh, very um, nice. San Antonio is only probably, I don't know, about 70 or 80 miles from Devil's Backbone. And the way I remember it initially, because I've been there several times over the years, but my first trip there, we had some family friends, some really close friends. And one day they, they would come usually and pick me up because she was friends with my mom and they grew up together and they would go on these long drives, you know, through, through the country and everything and take me along. Yeah. And this particular day, you know, they picked me up out of San Antonio, which is, you know, it's city atmosphere. And we ended up driving out to the country, and I had no clue where we were going. I was about seven years old. <laughs> and, you know, being a seven-year-old kid sitting in the back seat, you're staring out the window at everything. Yeah. And next thing you know, we're just, like, in this region of canyons, and the road is just... The road is going down, the road is going up, it's real steep, there's just really, um, really big curves, and then all of a sudden the road just opened up where I could just see, it seemed like forever. Wow. You know, looking down into the valleys and stuff, and it was just the most awesome, awesome sight I think I've ever seen. And, you know, I'm sure it looks different now than it did back then, because, you know, trees are growing up and more highways have been put in but way back then there wasn't much out there and there really wasn't a whole lot of traffic either and i remember we stopped at this uh, scenic overlook and got out of the vehicle and i remember standing there just mesmerized you know by everything and at the same time you know i wasn't into the paranormal then i didn't even know what the paranormal was i felt strange you know i i don't know how to put it but the area just, it seemed different. There was something about it that was kind of grabbing out at me. And basically from there, we of course went home that day. But as I grew, grew up and got older, especially when I started driving and everything, me and my friends would go out there. And we'd, you know, basically sometimes we'd camp, sometimes we'd just kind of hang out wherever we could off the roadside and just kind of, you know, be out there at night. And that's when the really, really strange feelings set in. I bet. And then as, right, and then as time went on, 
they started bouncing into more people, making new friends. And I started hearing about some really, really crazy, crazy paranormal stories, you know, that were taking place out there. There was just so many ghost stories. And I remember one time we stopped off at the tavern there, which has been there forever. And as soon as we went in there, we started asking them questions. And it was like we just opened up a book. They were just telling us about all sorts of things happening out there. And it just, it blew my mind at the time, because really the paranormal wasn't talked about way back then. And I didn't really know what we were dealing with. It was just a very interesting place. Yeah, it sounds like it. You know, I have never actually even heard of Devil's Backbone until, it's funny because I, so I have a container of things that I want for ideas for episodes so i'll write something down if i find like a neat location or a cursed object or whatever and then i'll fold the paper up and throw it in that big container and so i forgot all about it but then i found devil's backbone and a couple days earlier we were binge watching a bunch of shows and we watched one with man with a plan where the guy wants to go on devil's backbone and his wife keeps messing up the name saying i don't want you to break your back on diablo's butt crack (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, but like it was like two days later where I caught the devil's backbone and I was like oh my god that's hilarious it made me think of that episode but I think it's really cool where it has so much history so many legends so many apparitions from the Spanish monk to the soldiers just to to everything and I think it's really cool Dan that you said like you were like around seven years old when you first went through there so you're like pretty young but like you like you remembered things you know like with me my memory shot so I'm like seven years old I I don't remember you know but that's really cool that you you remembered like the road and just like different things and it's definitely a place that I would love to go to sometime and investigate and I love that there's a haunted tavern there as well that is like perfect It looks really awesome now. It looks like they've really built it up and everything because now it looks like they're doing entertaining out there. Mm. Uh, one of the things that's happened with, you know, this is in the middle of the Texas Hill Country. Yeah. And what's happened with the Texas Hill Country, it's a beautiful place. And more and more people around the country are realizing just how beautiful it is out there. Right. And what's, what's happening is right now there's this huge migration of people. And they're putting up communities just all over that whole area, Mm. you know, which goes hand in hand with what what I was saying back when I was young, there wasn't anything out there. Right. Now, now you see all sorts of neighborhoods and communities and, you know, different things that have built up around the area. And that's really neat. So, Dan, what would you say is your favorite thing about Devil's Backbone? I think one of the, you know, one of the strangest things, I can never put my finger on it. And I've always felt this about different areas of Texas, especially where we have our hotel now and, and everything. I almost felt like I had been there before, hmm. you know? Yeah. And as a kid, being a young kid, that is a strange feeling to have because normally as a kid, you're not going to think those types of things. Right. And I couldn't pinpoint, you know, it's like a deja vu type thing. It, it kind of makes you wonder, you know, if you had a past life or something, you know, yes. back, back in history, and maybe if I was there or something. That's probably one of the strangest things, and 
the other thing were some of the stories I heard, you know, the different experiences that people have had out there that I, that I met along the way. Those were just some of the craziest paranormal stories. Yeah, I could only imagine. I'd like to hear some if you have some that you want to talk about, but I just have to say when it comes to, like, past lives and stuff, I totally get what you're saying, Dan. I, Whenever I go to Tombstone, like, the first time I went to Tombstone, I, like, knew. Like, I had never been here before, but I was like, I this place was familiar to me. I knew where things were, and I know that I died here at some point. And it's just really interesting. I've never had that happen before. But just the fact that it's like, I was here. I, di- I lived here, and I died here. And I know it was like a violent death, and I died right here on the street. And so it is interesting how your brain is like, wait a second. Yeah, it really, it really does make you wonder. Absolutely. You, know, when you have those feelings. Yeah, I get that. So when you were saying that, I was like, ah, yes. <laughs> yeah. What would you say like are some of the strangest things that you've heard when it comes to the devil's backbone? One of the strangest stories I heard was several decades ago from a friend. He used to go out there a lot. They had some land. I forget exactly where it was out there. And basically on their land, they had uh, they had some cabins. And they used to go out there and hunt and do various things, you know, throughout the year. And every once in a while, a bunch of, you know, high school kids and different people would go out with them yeah. out, to this, out to this area and just kind of camp out. I never got the actual, you know, I wanted the opportunity to do it, but when they were telling me this, this story, it really grabbed me. And right after he had told me this story, I went into the Air Force not long after that, and I kind of moved to another area of the country, and that kind of blew me away. Yeah. <laughs> the, the way the story went, and this was just a very mesmerizing story, was they were out there basically camping, setting up and we're doing all sorts of things throughout the day and then sunset came and they were kind of i think they had a campfire set up out in front of the building and they were sitting out there for the longest time around the campfire you know drinking doing those types of things that kids do yeah and but they weren't they weren't like drunk he 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 emphasized that he said we were not drunk when we saw the vision and right away i was like what i was like vision Hmm. what vision and he said that they were sitting out there just having a great time for a few hours and i guess it got to be about 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock and they decided to go inside and the fire of course was still out there and they were inside probably about an hour and all of a sudden he said they were like inside talking They they were actually making noise but this other noise was like over their own voices they could hear this this noise coming Mm. and they all quit talking and all of a sudden they heard the noise like coming from the distance it kept getting louder and louder and all of a sudden it dawned on them they were like doggone it that sounds like a stagecoach wow and they all basically ran out the door and there was this old road of course going back right past the cabin and right when they ran out the door, they're looking, and of course, they did not see anything at this point, but they could still hear it. They said all of a sudden, the apparition of a stagecoach, they, they said it looked real, though. You know, it didn't look transparent. 
Yeah. Basically goes right past them <laughs> at full speed with about two or three men up on top with one of the men looking towards the back. And right as it goes past them, a bunch of Indians on horseback are chasing them oh down my the road. God. And they, they said the scene looked really frantic, you know, is how he described it. And the road kind of went around, ran around a bend as it passed the cabin. So they all ran out to the gate to basically look down the road. And this is, of course, all on their land. Yeah. They just, you know, they just had their area fenced off. They said, right as they're looking in, these, this apparition of stagecoats and Indians was approaching that bend. They said they all of a sudden vanished like right in front of them oh my and God. and there was like seven or eight witnesses they all saw it and they were just blown away yeah that's that's absolutely just mind-blowing i just that would be like the grandfather of like apparitions or like you know sightings to see something yeah. like that and it's neat dan that's like several people it's not just like one person you know where yeah, that's yeah, that, it's, it's yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so, what a fantastic story. So, you guys, just real quick, I so I had seen Dan's episode on Paranormal 911, and I did the Devil's Backbone episode, part one, as you heard last week, and I was like, I... I know people in Texas, you know, I have some friends out there that I've known forever, but I was like, how about some paranormal friends? And so I, I knew Dan was from that, you know, from around there. And I asked him, are you familiar with Devil's Backbone? He's like, well, yeah, you know, I, I grew up around there. So I was like, awesome. And then kind of, that's when you told me, you know, quickly that little like experience. And I was like, that is mind blowing. You, I, hope you guys enjoy hearing that because that is just fantastic i mean i would love to see something like that someday i've seen my fair share of full-bodied apparitions but that's like a full-on from like the 1800s i guess it would be like a residual haunting they're like yeah yeah it's like a movie playing out in front of you basically you know that just i, I think that would be the ultimate experience oh do. absolutely yeah since that time, just to interject, I've, you know, over the years, I've done a lot of history research, you know, about Texas and this whole area. Yeah. And our, our hotel that we own now is only about 170 miles from Devil's Backbone. So all the trails, you know, basically come up from South Texas going straight up to where we are. You know, and I, 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 what I'm thinking is these are, these are basically the highways back then. Right. And at the time, there was a lot going on, and this whole area of Texas was actually under Comanche Indian control. And the Comanches were just everywhere. Right. And if anybody knows about the Comanches, they were like the fiercest warriors on horseback. Yeah. And a lot of battles took place in Texas, you know, because unfortunately they were having land taken from them, you know, and various things. So there were a lot of things going on with the Comanches. So, you know, it makes me wonder if those were Comanche Indians chasing after the stagecoach. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that would make total sense. And 
not like today where it's like, oh, okay, honey, let's go for a drive. No, back then it was dangerous. Like you said, like you it were was. either getting robbed or, or shot at or ambushed. And it was totally, you know, it was totally different then where if you get into a little accident or something and someone's there to help you, it's no totally different back then for sure. Right? Yeah, you didn't know what you were going to run into. And, right. Uh, one of the things I've emphasized to people because, you know, our building goes back to 1886. It's been there a long time. And the town of Ballinger, where we're at, it's a very old west town. But one of the things I emphasize to people from studying history is we like to think of the old west as being a, a great place. Yeah. And in a lot of respects it was, but it was also a very brutal place. And there was also a lot of violence. And like you said, if you went on a stagecoach ride across Texas at that time, there's no telling what you were going to encounter. Right, right, absolutely. And it's not like, you know, you get to point A to point B in, you know, a few minutes or an hour. I mean, a lot of the times that was several days where you're, like, you know, feeling yes. vulnerable and uncomfortable. And I'm sure it wasn't, like, this beautiful sightseeing, oh, look at that over there. I'm sure yeah. they were on edge. Exactly. And that's actually, uh, I did some other research You've heard the term uh, riding shotgun, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Most people use that term now, you know, to take the passenger seat and the front seat. Right. Well, that term actually comes from stagecoaches. And it actually came from the term where a guy would carry a double barrel shotgun and sit next to the driver on the stagecoach riding shotgun. And basically, that's how they defended themselves as they went down these trails. Yeah, that, and I'm sure, I'm sure if that were still the case, I'm sure there are some who wouldn't be jumping for riding shotgun these days. <laughs> but it's, it's interesting how these sayings, where they come from. Yeah. Know? And that's literally where that saying came from. You know, it just came from the fact of a man sitting there with a shotgun in the 1800s, you know, in Texas and other places, you know, riding the stagecoach trails. Right. No, that's very interesting. Yeah, it is neat, like you said, where these where these like sayings came from and stuff. It's it had to come from somewhere, and yeah, that would make sense. So that's that's neat. I'm I'm glad you shared that experience. So you yourself, have you seen like any apparitions at Devil's Backbone, or what kind of paranormal or supernatural happenings have happened with you out there? I, to be honest with you, I just felt weird out there. All yeah. the times I was out there, I went out there with some friends one time, like I was telling you earlier, and we were just hanging out, and there wasn't any traffic that night. It was a really quiet night, and we were out there several hours. And at one point, we just heard the creepiest, strangest sounds, like almost sounded like, like you've heard coyotes howling before, right? Oh, yeah. Well, when it first started up, we thought it was coyotes howling. But we realized real quick it didn't sound like that. It mm-hmm. sounded like something different. And we're just basically like, you know, after a while it really got our attention because it was getting closer, whatever it was, and it kept getting louder. And it, it was pretty creepy. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't know exactly what we were hearing, mm-hmm. but it wasn't coyotes. I know Texas doesn't have wolves, you know, for the most part that we know about. Right. But if you would have heard what we heard that night, it was just very, very creepy sound. Wow. Yeah, you know, so when I do episodes like this about places 
and it kind of makes me get my research boots on, you know, and dig deep. And I found, like, a lot of encounters and experiences and different, happen you know, haunted happenings when it comes to Devil's Backbone. One of the things that I saw a couple times, one was in one of Burt Wall's books, and then from something else, is that long ago, this, like, thing was killing people's cattle and, you know, other animals or what have you. Yeah. And... I kind of explained it in the first episode, but basically at the very end, they get this, like, professional hunter who's been doing it for decades to come and hunt this thing, and when he saw it, it had red eyes, and fire was coming out of his nose, and he was making these weird, horrible sounds, and just, and then he was, like, living in a den of rattlesnakes, and just really interesting stuff, but there's been a few cases where people heard this horrible sound, and all of a sudden, it's like this, like, gigantic white ram, you know, like... I don't know. Who knows? Maybe that's what you heard. It might have been. You know, now that you described that, that easily. Because what we heard was coming closer and closer and closer. And honestly, after a while, we got pretty spooked. Because I wasn't used to the paranormal, you know, the way I am now. Right. And honestly, I don't think you're ever, you're, you're never ready for the paranormal. I shouldn't even use that term. Because <laughs> you don't know what's coming with it. You know, that type of thing. Yeah, you know, I always like take something from every investigation it's never the same you know and i always tell people that they're like well but you go to this place a lot well yeah but i get i could go there 10 times and every time i'm going to get a different investigation out of that place i'm going to get different results different things happening and stuff and so it is neat i you know i haven't been doing this for nearly as long as you have but over 10 years but i've been a fan my whole life of the paranormal but yeah, there's sometimes where I'm like, wow, what the hell just happened? Did that seriously just yeah. happen? <laughs> you know? But yeah, I no, love no that. two experiences in the paranormal are ever the same. You never know what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. And it's never a dull moment in the paranormal field, that's for sure. So, Dan, you know, th there's, like, as mentioned earlier, there's so many apparitions that are seen throughout devil's backbone like the ghost riders and the stagecoach like what your friends saw and the indians and do you believe these ghost riders a lot of people claim to see ghost riders and do you believe these to be possibly like i don't know soldiers or cowboys or maybe a mix of both you know some people said they even um, have mentioned seeing confederates yeah that's you know when you think about that that that's a possibility considering what, how they describe the stagecoach, you know, saying, you know, what we might be seeing throughout that whole different area, because, I mean, there was so much history taking place, you know, in that whole area of Texas. Yeah. It, we might just be seeing things being played back to us, you know. And, right. And, you know, when, like you say, with the Ghost Riders and everything, it's turned into a myth but in a certain sense, but it probably comes from an actual, you know, actual experiences of seeing like what you said, maybe it's Confederates writing, you know, people are seeing things and they're interpreting things the way that they might interpret it, and maybe they might look a little spooky, you know, you just don't know. Right. So I think everything kind of comes from a place, you know, and this kind of, that's how the stories get going, but everything does come from an experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, obviously, you're from that area. I'm sure, have you heard uh, heard of the um, author Burt Wall? 
I, I've heard of him. I don't know too much about him, but yes, I have heard of him. Yeah, he, I didn't really know about him at all until I started doing research on Devil's Backbone and his name kept popping up in different locations. And like, it seems like every, almost every legend or experience that I heard, he also like, I was like, oh, this is interesting. I'm going to get his book. So I got his book and it was just filled with so many different encounters and experiences and and everything like that. Like, you heard about, I'm sure, the John Viadiel wolf possession? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I heard about that. Yeah, that yeah. was actually his son's friend. They were actually visiting him wow. for Super Bowl Sunday when they went out to explore. And so, just so many different things. But obviously, um, people have seen apparitions of the Spanish monk, who mm-hmm. perhaps is Espinosa, I don't know, and then Native American spirits including one as, I don't know if it's Drago or Drago. Have you ever heard of Drago? Yes, I have, yeah. Okay, I don't know if I said that right. Did I say it right? No, it's definitely, yeah, I think you said it right. (laughs) That's how I would pronounce it. Right? Um, But you're right, I have heard of that associated with the area, yes. Yeah, I just, I have to put the devil's backbone on my list, I guess. You know, I... When I drive from North Carolina to Colorado, I'm always going through Texas, but I don't think I'm going, you know, Texas is so huge, as you know, <laughs> and oh, so... It's like a day to drive across the state. I know. I always used to say, oh, God, I hate, te- I love Texas. I love the food. I love the people, but I'm like, I hate, I hate Texas. I hate driving through it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so we'll be talking about something. And my boyfriend will say, oh, yeah, you know, like I'll be talking to somebody and he'll say, oh, yeah, she hates Texas. And I'm like, no, I hate driving through it. I love Texas, but I hate driving through it. I always have to like, like, you know, fix it. I was like, no. <laughs> and I have a lot of listeners from Texas. Yeah. All you Texas. Texans out there, thank you. Definitely. One, one, one other thing I wanted to say real fast, going yeah. along with what we're talking about, that whole area is basically almost like aquifers under limestone. Yes. So, you know, it's basically a huge limestone shelf that goes all the way across that whole area. And everybody knows, you know, what happens with limestone. It It's always associated with the paranormal. It's right. almost like it tra- traps energy and things like that. So maybe that plays a factor into it. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, there's been so many cases with hauntings. And then come to find out, limestone is usually involved. And so it is very interesting. There's some people out there who are like, No, I'm a geologist and whatever, whatever. It- whatever, <laughs> you know. <laughs> They're like, I, I-, I can tell you this until I'm blue in the face. And I'm like, well, you're blue enough. Stop it. <laughs> neat unique rare gem of a place that next time i am in texas i'll just have to you know even if it's a detour i'll just have to to go and check it out and investigate a little dan you know obviously i'm gonna have to have you on again to talk about your experience that you had that fateful night that you shared on paranormal 911 because yeah that one was also absolutely mind-blowing yes that's what got me going (laughs) years ago so i can only imagine definitely was a deep experience absolutely yeah when i was watching that i was like that is so cool that is like you know i so i wrote down your name i was like okay i'm gonna get a hold of this dude someday (laughs) (laughs) but before we end this week's episode dan i do want to ask you quickly about your wife, Connie, and yours hotel, the Old Park yeah. Hotel. I'll have to put that on my 
my paranormal bucket list as well, but talk a little bit, if you will, about your hotel. Okay, well, it happened, basically how we acquired it is interesting, because we weren't out looking to buy a haunted hotel. <laughs> most, people think, most people think when you acquire something like this that that's what you're doing, and a lot of times that's the exact opposite of what you're doing. Yeah. Me and Connie, we met several years ago, and of course got married, and we met through a friend of ours who was in the paranormal, and I was actually on a paranormal team. And basically, Connie joined the team, and one thing led to another, and we got married. And mm -hmm. we ended up moving to deep south Texas. We were in San Antonio at that point. We went deep south Texas. And we ended up, uh, actually, before we moved, we were on two paranormal teams at that point. Mm. And one of them was actually a TAPS family member team, if you remember when TAPS got going with yeah. ghost hunters. Well, we were one of the few teams here in Texas that was actually a TAPS family member team. And then, of course, we when we moved, we went down deep south Texas, and we ended up creating our own paranormal team called Graveyard Shift Paranormal Investigations. And we did that back in 2008, I believe. And we did that for several years while we were living down there. And we did a lot of private, a lot of public. We used to take news teams with us. We took a Telemundo news team with us one time into a haunted location. And it's just funny when you take news teams with you, they don't know what's going to happen. And then their eyes get really big as things are happening, you know, and I think those are the best because the news teams are slightly skeptical and then you take them in a haunted location and they're, they're with you when it happens and you turn around and you look at their eyes and their eyes are like really big. <laughs> like saucers. <laughs> right. And here they try to interview you and ask you your impression, but at the same time they're shaking holding the microphone because they experienced it themselves, you know, <laughs> that type of thing. But anyway, we, we did a lot of things down there. And I mean, we just, we've been all over Texas. We've investigated a lot of different places together and just done a lot of different things. And we ended up, at one point, um, my wife was a high school teacher. And we ended up, I was having a hard time getting a job down there. So we decided, you know, we have to go somewhere else. Well, I didn't want to go back to San Antonio, even though it's my hometown. Yeah. Because it's just got, it's gotten too big. I can't handle the traffic. You I know, hear you. Things like that. I mean, I love the town. I have a lot of friends there. I love to visit. Yeah. I just don't want to live there anymore. It's too big. Yeah. And same thing with all the other big cities in Texas. I was like, uh, don't want to do it. So we ended up deciding to move to the area where my wife is from, which is San Angelo. And that's where we live. And... We started doing paranormal things when we got up here because in West Texas, there wasn't much heard of at the time. All other areas of Texas, people were hearing about, but nobody really knew anything about paranormal in West Texas. So we started exploring that. But we started finding out that there was a lot out here. People just weren't writing it down, you know, but yeah. there was a lot of things happening. And one thing led to another, and in 2015, I saw this article, it was in a big uh, San Angelo uh, newspaper, and it was a really big article, and it was about the building that we ended up eventually buying. And at the time, it was an antique store, and it dated, you know, way back to, you know, we, 
We think it's 1886. We're kind of having a hard time pinpointing the exact date. Hmm. We know it goes back to at least 1900, but we're thinking that it goes back a lot farther than that. They just didn't keep documents very well, you know, back in the day. Yeah. But when I was uh, reading this article, it just mesmerized me, and I told Connie, I was like, we need to go see this place. And when I contacted the owner, this story came out around Halloween in 2015. The owner just basically blew me off like you won't believe because she, even though I told her who I was and what I've done and, you know, that we just wanted to visit, she was getting hounded because that story was so popular. Everybody was just all over it. Yeah. And the reason why everybody was all over it is this building was rumored to be haunted, very haunted, for many decades. And everybody couldn't wait to get in there. <laughs> so when that story popped up, you know, she's just being hounded again, everybody wanting wanting to go in her building. So make a long story short, she uh, we, we kept in contact. And a month later, in deep, cold, rainy end of November, she contacted me and goes, I'm here if you guys want to come up and see the building. Hmm. Well, it was the worst possible day to go see a building. It was like storming. <laughs> it was cold. It was dreary. It was gloomy. I mean, it's the worst day that you could go see a haunted, supposed building, you know, right. weather. So anyway, we my mother was with us at the time visiting, so we packed her up in the car and didn't really tell her what we were going to do. We just told her we went up to see an antique building, you know, up in Ballinger, yeah. check out the area. She's like, yeah, I'll go for it. But anyway, <laughs> we, we all go up there. This building, just walking around inside was just awesome. But at the same time, it was so full of junk. I mean, it was just, it, it, it had great antiques in it, but it was also just wall-to-wall stuff. You know, it's like really hard to walk through. You know, you Jeez. can even see everything. Kind of like so a hoarder? Yeah, well, it was just packed. It, you know, it'd been sitting there. The family had it for generations after generations. Yeah. It was just so much stuff. You know, there was there was great antiques in there, but there was also a lot of clutter. Right. And as we're walking through, you know, I could feel it. I could feel it. I couldn't see it, but the building just had a very ominous feeling. You just felt like you were being watched the whole time while we were in there. And when we came down... Um, this kind of funny part of the story she was like what do you think and we're like the building's pretty awesome as we're coming down the stairs she goes it's for sale you know <laughs> and, and right away exactly right away i get this look in my eyes and connie turns right around and goes oh no <laughs> uh, connie's like nope nope not gonna happen today <laughs> and i'm looking at her like with puppy dog eyes going there's potential here you know and all these things and she's like, no. And sure enough, with the price that she was offering at the time, which was for the building and the, and the antiques, everything in it, basically buy every everything that's there. Yeah. There was just no no way. I mean, there was just no possible way. Yeah. So, you know, we left kind of thinking, wow, you know, selling this great building. Well, at the same time, right after that, we hit a very negative time in our life. And most people don't like to go through those times, but I ended up losing my mom like three or four months after that visit. Very, very suddenly, she passed away 
in our house. Oh, jeez. After, after we had moved her up to uh, to stay with us. Oh. And she was having a lot of health problems. Yeah. We just didn't know how bad it was, you know, and it really right. was bad. And it just took her, like, really fast, so it was very shocking. Mm. So basically we went through that. And a month later, my, my wife was adopted. And she had met her biological mother years before that and was developing a really good relationship with her biological mother, you know, besides her adopted mother. Right. Well, her biological mother passes away during a surgical procedure. Oh, no. And basically dies in the hospital. So that's like a month later. And then a month after that, we lose our brother-in-law, who was in his 30s. So it's oh like goodness. boom, boom, boom. You know, we were just yeah. like, oh, we're like, can this get any worse? Right. Well, you can imagine we weren't thinking about the building all this time. Right. But all of a sudden, like, clearing up my mom's house, selling my mom's house, doing various things, ended up with money, you know, from her state. Right. That she had, didn't know what to do with it, um, wasn't really thinking about anything to do to do with it. All of a sudden, the owner calls us, and she goes, I'd really like to sell this building to y'all. What can we do to make this happen? Mm. And here we had the money, you know, in front of us. We had the possibility. And to make a long story short, she sold us the building without the antiques. You know, she had cleared up, you know, a good portion of the building. There was a lot of stuff in there still, but she had sold most of the antiques. And... Basically, we started doing things, you know, we we picked up the building in 2016. Our friends basically gave us the idea, like, this place is awesome. There's so many things happening in here. You need to, uh, like, open it to the public. And we were having a lot of stuff happen to us from day one. And one of the first things that we were told when we bought the building that was haunted by as many as 30 spirits. Wow. And Right, exactly. And when you hear that, you, you know, being a paranormal investigator, it's not like you don't believe it, but at the same time, you need to see it. Right. You know, you need to see if that's a possible reality. And I I can honestly say, my wife can say, and lots of other people that have stayed in our building because we opened up for overnight uh, group stays, you know, on weekends, basically where groups can come in and rent the whole building and explore it. They've done this for the last five years. The place is very haunted, and there's so many stories, so many experiences coming out of it. Apparitions are seen a lot of times in the buildings. I've seen them. Other people have seen them. Numerous, you know, uh, full full figure apparitions. You know, look just like people. And then we have shadow figures as well, which you know, you can see the shapes. You know, they're people, but you just can't see the the details right. you know, that go along with them. And these things disappear. Basically, they walk into rooms where there are no exits, and they're not there. Things have been captured on camera. We get Class A EVPs all the time, like full sentences coming back to people. And they're all different voices, you know, which makes it just much more interesting. We were on the Fright Club uh, television show with Jack Osborne and the Ghost Brothers, and there was a bunch of footage. You know, we were actually on two episodes with our building on that show i don't i don't even know where where to end there's just so much going on with the place it's been a journey 
you know, started as just an idea, and we take every dollar to put back into the building, you know, to restore it. And five years ago, it started off as an idea to see, you know, if it was possible that we could keep it going, you know, for people, you know, pay the bills, things like that. And I have to say, it's really become popular by word of mouth. Everybody just loves the building. They love everything that happens in it. We only charge $300 a night for a group. And you can bring a pretty big group in. And we have several, basically about nine rooms that are furnished, you know, really nicely for people to stay in. And then people get to explore the whole 10,000 square foot building all night. That you is know, awesome. Only 300 bucks, that's a really good deal. That is a good deal for renting out basically a whole hotel. I mean, yeah. that's, that is a great deal. And so... You guys, if you're part of a paranormal team, like Dan said, Old Park Hotel on the weekends, you could rent that bad boy out. And then, so do you have, like, a, say, like, Joe Blow goes over there and wants to stay, like, a, you know, rent a room on Tuesday or whatever. How much are the rates? Well, they can't rent an individual room because okay. it's not a traditional hotel. Okay. In, in, in its history, it, it was four different hotels, and that's the reason why it has the name hotel in it. Yeah. But everybody confuses it. They think we're still running a traditional hotel. It's basically, it's a, par- it's a venue. It's a historical paranormal venue. Okay. And and what, what people can basically do is you can't, I mean, you can, if you're just by yourself and you have $300, you want to rent the whole building to yourself, you can do that. Right. <laughs> you know, it'd be pretty scary, though, but you <laughs> can do that. But most groups we have, they come average, you know, about six, seven, eight, nine people. And, you know, they'll split the cost between themselves. And you have to book way ahead of us because we've become very popular. You yeah. have to book about five, six months in advance now. Oh, wow. Because our, our dates fill up like crazy. That's awesome. Um, yeah, the place is just super, super popular. And it's because of all the paranormal evidence that people are getting, all the experiences that they're having. And when, you know, I can't say what this, this latest TV show is, but when it comes out, it's going to show a lot of things, and it's going, to, it's going to be a very popular show. And we're already busy, so I can only imagine what's going to happen when this new show comes out. That'll be really cool. You'll have to let me know when the show is going to be out, and so I could let people know, and that would be awesome. And so, first of all, I just want to say I'm so sorry about your your mom and Connie's mom and then your brother-in-law. It always seems like I've had so many experiences where somebody close to you dies, and it's like it comes in threes a lot of the time, and I never... It does, it does. I yeah. never understood that, and it's so frustrating. This last February, I lost my great-aunt, who we were really close, and then March, I lost my cousin, and I'm like, oh, please, please, let's go April without a death, like, seriously, it's just too much, right. but I think it's, like, kind of neat that you used that money from your mom for this place, so it's like, she's part of this building, you know, like, she's, like, she helped you, It, it really you is. know? It's her, it's, we created the building as a legacy to her. That's awesome. You know, because, you know, basically that's what allowed us to get the building. And, you know, again, you know, we weren't looking for the building, but right. it, it almost feels, it feels to us like the building picked us. Right. Because she had a lot of people that really wanted to buy this building, and she didn't want to sell it to them. 
We've been told that the wood inside the building, if you were dis- if you were to dismantle the building, not that we're not we're not going to do that, but we've been told that the wood inside the building's worth a million dollars, easy. Wow. Because of, you know the the value, the vintage, and right. I guess some people are looking to buy the building to do that kind of stuff. You know, that's just not the right thing to do. Oh no. Um, you want you want to preserve history. You want to keep it around. And that's what we're really about. We're, you know, we're not about getting rich off the building. We didn't buy it to make profit. We we bought it, you know, as a legacy to her, and also to keep the building around and for people to enjoy it. You know, just right. like the way we enjoy it, because it's 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 a step into the past. You're, you know, the building is set up just like it was way back in the day. You know, the way the rooms look. So you're getting that feel, and then you're getting the paranormal experiences on top of it, which makes it really extraordinary, I guess is the word. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I will definitely have to put that on my list, and I'll obviously get a hold of you several months in advance. But, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's great. Just, I'm glad. Just to get you one little other tidbit on the bookings. On our website, we have a booking calendar down at the bottom. You have to look at that calendar. A lot of people don't look at it and they'll contact us and be like, is this date open? Is this date open? And yeah, it takes us a lot of time to like look, you know, which if you look at the calendar, you clearly see just how busy we are. Right. Yeah. Well, good for you guys. That's awesome. So, yeah, you folks listening who are in the Texas area or close or going through there, if you want to get your names in there, please do so. And way ahead of time and then gives you time to plan for that amazing trip so real quick another cool thing we we're doing now is there's an historic jail right across the street from us which dates back to 1925 and we're part of the historical commission there in reynolds county so we're running special events right now that we advertise on our facebook page we have like the fourth event in july and it's about to sell out all these events have sold out like really fast and they're about a hundred dollars a person and you basically get to stay in the hotel and you get to investigate the jail just for a hundred bucks it's a really good deal absolutely that sounds like a great deal i i have to say jails are one of my favorite things to investigate there's just so much energy there i don't know you know as soon as i walk in i feel the despair and the just the the anger i feel i feel everything you know and it's just so definitely neat places to investigate for sure you'd like this jail it's definitely got activity going on and everyone that's done the the past three events had just been blown away and everybody's burned to do the actually the past two events we have the third one coming up and then we have the fourth one in july so that's very cool well that's awesome yeah and it doesn't surprise me that something like that would sell out (laughs) Oh, they, they sell out really fast. Yeah. Right. It, it's really, you know, it, all the money goes back to restoration on both buildings. So it's like, you know, we, we donate half of it. So we, we only do them like at 12, 12 person spots. So yeah. basically 12 people at $100 and we donate $600 to the jail. And then $600 goes to our building. That's awesome. That's a great way. I love hearing that kind of thing that, the, you know, like you said, you're not doing this to get rich. You're you're doing yeah. it to preserve yeah. history. Yeah, people, what's funny is that people saw our bills because what I, I laugh about it because we've gotten so busy with popularity 
you, get, you have air conditioning that runs all the time. You have heaters that run all the time. Our utility bills are like averaging like $600 a month now in wow. that place. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can only yeah, I can only imagine for sure. But good for you guys for the restoring of the amazing building. Dan, thank you so much for joining me. I really did have fun talking all things Devil's Backbone and Old Park Hotel with you and we will definitely have to get you back on sometime when things slow a little down for you. And thank you for being on. I know you like you said you're a busy guy right now, so thanks for taking time and being on. Like I said, we're we're normally swamped, but um, we're both high school teachers, you know, besides what we do at the hotel, and we live up there on weekends, so we are literally very, very busy most of the time. I definitely appreciate your time, so thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, Dan, we will definitely talk at some point again, and you enjoy the rest of your evening. You too. It's been a pleasure talking with you, Tessa. Oh, same. Thank you so much. <laughs> What a neat, neat guy, for sure. Very friendly. Can't wait to go check out Devil's Backbone someday and his hotel, Old Park Hotel. And remember, you guys, you know, make sure to get your name in there months ahead of time. And $300, that's not bad. Get a group of friends. Go do that sometime. I'm going to do that. Shit. (laughs) Did you enjoy this week's episode? Yes! Listen to the others, you guys. They are all pretty terrific. Haven't heard every single one yet. No need to cry, my friends. You can hit up any of those awesome podcast platforms such as CastBox, iTunes, Spotify, Player FM, TuneIn Radio, Podcast Republic, wherever you may roam to listen to your other sinfully scary podcasts. You'll probably find Paranormal Prowlers podcasts lurking in the background, my lovelies. This week's special city shout-outs go to Green Bay, Wisconsin, Blacksburg, Virginia, Leed, South Dakota, Oshawa, Canada, and Towson, Maryland. As always, you guys are phenomenal. You're rock stars in my book. It is so appreciated you stopping by and listening. Have a phenomenal idea for a spooky episode, perhaps a haunted object, an urban legend, or a haunted location, or hell, perhaps you have something scary that happened to you that you would love to share? Throw an email my way, paranormal.prowlers.podcast at gmail.com. Are you shy? Want your stories shared but want to be anonymous? Let me know and I could read it myself. I would not mind doing that in the slightest. Till then... See you next week. And a big shout out to Dan the Five for being on. Thank you, my friend, Dan. You're awesome.